Father, we come into your presence. This time of the year we, we think of, of Christmas, and, and there's a lot of busyness around Christmas, but uh, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because you sent your Son into a world that uh, had no hope without him. And that's what we've been looking at, Father, is the fact that without your Son, Jesus Christ, and what he done, and what he's doing, there's no hope in this world because of sin. So as we pause in the busyness of the Christmas season, Father, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for salvation that he brings, that he paid the price so that we can find forgiveness and we can find a new life in him. And that he can guide us and direct us through this world. We thank you for that. We lift this list up to you, Father. I just pray your perfect will be worked out in each and every situation. We're all different people with different needs. And the people on this list are no different. They have different needs. A lot of them are medical. Some of them are more serious than others. Some of them are real serious, life-threatening. And so we just hold them up to you, Father, and just pray that you'd be doing a, a work in their hearts and minds, and uh, we realize that you many times heal, sometimes you walk us through the situations because we can learn more being walked through tough times than we can learn just being delivered. You do, you do those things in your wisdom. You give us each what we need at that time. And so that's what I'm praying is your perfect will would just be worked out in each of these situations. Minister to them, Father, in the physical and the spiritual and the emotional areas of their lives. We continue to pray for our nation, Father, and our leaders. You tell us too in your scriptures. And uh, we realize that our nation is going through some really rough times, some trying times. And we need, to, we need like in the days of old when Daniel, a godly man and a godless environment was able to impact those people, those leaders for you. And Father, that's what we pray, that you would raise Daniels up in the, in the governments and, and that they would have an impact. Father, we continue to thank you for our missionaries and we continue to pray for them and just ask that you would just bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, especially through the holidays. Just meet their needs. Help us, Father, remember to be faithful prayer warriors on their behalf for they are carrying out a ministry in many places in difficult situations. And so just open doors and then comfort them and encourage them and give them the, the boldness and the wisdom they need to carry out the ministry you've called them to do. Now, Father, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning from your scripture. We realize this is a closed book if your Holy Spirit don't open it. So, Father, I pray that your, your Holy Spirit would be here, opening our minds and hearts to receive the truth of your word. For that's the only hope we have. These things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Last week we looked at the condition of man. And we've seen the fact that in our natural condition we, we are sinners. The reason we sin is because we have a sin nature. The reason we have a sin nature is because the first man, Adam, the federal head of the human race, 
chose to sin, chose to disobey. And when he done that, he made his choice for the whole human race. All of his descendants then was born with a sin nature. And so hence we are all sinners by choice and by our, by our nature. Sometimes willfully, sometimes ignorantly, but we're all sinners. We're all in this condition and God's a holy and just God. God has no choice but to condemn us. The whole human race has been condemned to eternal damnation, eternal separation from God. And that's the condition that we looked at last week as we looked at our man's situation, man's condition. That's the reason God sent Jesus. We need to understand that. Man was without hope. Man's in this world. We're sinners. We sin. And God has no choice but to condemn us to eternal damnation. And that's our condition. That's our hopeless condition. And so he sent Jesus. That's what we celebrate Christmas all about. That's what it's about. He sent Jesus into the world. And Jesus lived a sinless life, became the sacrifice for sin. So that a just and holy God that had no choice but to condemn us can forgive us because the sacrifice was made. The blood was shed. And so that's where we find our hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and nothing else. And so if we, as a sinner, will acknowledge that I'm a sinner and confess that I'm a sinner and come to God by faith, trusting in what Jesus Christ done and not in myself, that sinner can find forgiveness and be given hope that's beyond this world. There's no hope in this world. So not only are we saved from eternal damnation, that condemnation, but we're also saved from the power of the dominion of sin in our lives so that God can use us in this world. So there's two aspects that we're looking at here. First, I can be saved from my destination that I have no power to save myself because of Jesus Christ. And then not only that, I can be saved from the power, the dominion, the control of sin in my life so that God can use me. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. People around the Christmas story that God was able to use and why that he was able to use them. So we're saved from eternal damnation, but we're also saved to serve him. How do we serve him? Not by power nor by might, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. That's an Old Testament verse we're not say we don't serve him in our own strength and our own wisdom we have to depend on him i think many times when we look at those old testament characters we 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 think they kind of missed out you know and and many of them did if they felt like that by being obedient to the law they were justified and they were okay with god they missed out but if they realized that they could live a productive life if they was influenced by the Holy Spirit, God could use them. We're gonna, that's what we're going to look at. There's many of those old 
when Jesus came to the earth and lived his life out on this earth, there was a lot of conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders at that time. And if you read the Gospels, you see that over and over and over. He was in conflict with the religious leaders at that time. Mainly because they thought they was okay because they kept these laws. They kept them on the outside, but they couldn't keep them on the inside. Jesus taught them very clearly if you break one of them, you broke them all because you're condemned. One condemns you. And so this was what was going on in the world at this time. And I think a lot of times we kind of think, well, everybody was there. Well, there wasn't everybody wasn't there. We can see that in this Christmas story. We're going to look at Joseph and Mary, of course. But there was Simeon. Simeon was that old man in the temple, if you remember. And when they brought Jesus on the eighth day, as the law required, Simeon was there, and he recognized and realized who it was. That this was the Messiah, the one that they had been looking for for years and years the promised Messiah, the deliverer of sin of, of man in his sinful condition. Anna was another one. She was there. She understood. They had to know the Old Testament scriptures to recognize it, who the Savior was. And then there was Zacchaeus, or Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents. God was able to use them. And what we're going to look at is Joseph and Mary, how God was able to use them and why. We're going to begin with, with uh, Joseph. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took took to him his wife. And did not know her till they brought forth the firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Now you've got to understand a little bit. They're not married, but they are married in that situation. It was probably a prearranged marriage. During that, what we call engagement, it was just as if they was married. In other words, they wasn't married, but it was considered married. And so... This is where Joseph finds himself. He's a just man, but I see compassion in the man also. You see, you ought to understand something. Under the law, Joseph could have had Mary stoned. The law would have allowed him to do that. The law would have, he would have been within the rights of the Old Testament law. 
to have her put to death. Because in his mind, she had been unfaithful. And that's where Joseph sat when we come to this setting. In his mind, okay, this girl's been unfaithful. What's the right thing for me to do? Well, I'm going to show some compassion. I'm going to break the engagement, what we would call engagement, which basically had to be a divorce-type proceeding. I'm going to break that. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to have her stoned. I'm just going to do it secretly. So we see in this man that he is a just man. He wants to be right with God, obedient to God, but he's still got this compassion. He's showing her mercy and he's showing her grace. And so these are the things he's pondering and thinking about when the angel of the Lord comes to him and tells him what's going on. And so I see in this man Joseph that he is wants to be right with God, wants to do the right thing, and that's what he's pondering and thinking about. But he wants to be compassionate and merciful also. That sinful man that we looked at last week that's controlled by the flesh, well, how would if he responded? Well, he's been betrayed. He's probably embarrassed. He feels like he's been lied to. And it's natural for us in the flesh to want revenge. That's very natural for us. And when we're functioning in flesh, I want revenge. I've been wronged. I want revenge. That's a natural thing for the flat man functioning in the flesh to do. And so I believe that Joseph, he's, we see the side that God appreciates. He's willing to show mercy and compassion and wants to privately do away with this engagement. That's another reason, I think, because of what we see going on there. He's in a right and healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's another reason I feel that he was in a right and a healthy relationship to Jesus, because God was able to talk to him. God was able to speak to him. When we're functioning in the flesh, when we're living in the flesh, God does not speak to us. Important for us to realize that. God speaks to us when we are in a healthy, right relationship. Usually God speaks with a small, still voice. In this case, he came to Joseph in a dream. He was able to speak to Joseph because Joseph was in a good place with him, relationally. Another thing I think we see that Joseph was in a good place in his relationship with Jesus Christ is because he, he knew it was God that was talking to him. We, many times we look at Bible characters, and they'll, well, the fleece is one of the examples, you know. God told him to do this. Well, I go, you know, did you, did you not put the fleece out? Well, he put the fleece out, and the fleece was just like he asked God to do it. And so, well, I'm not sure. So he put her out, do it the opposite. One night the fleece needed to be wet, the ground dry, the next night he wanted the ground wet and his fleece dry. Trying to make sure. Well, Joseph, I think, is in a healthy place. See, the closer we are to Jesus in our relationship with him, it's easier for us to hear him. It's easier for him to speak to us. In fact, he won't speak to us if we're not in the Spirit. 
It's easier for him to speak to us, and it's easier for us to hear him if we're in the Spirit. He recognized it was God that was talking to him. It was God giving him these instructions. And the last and not the least, the reason Joseph had to know the Scriptures. A little bit like we are today. I'm always telling you people to be ready for the rapture because I think it's around the corner. I really do. I don't go with anybody that says goes on date setting. I don't go down that road at all. But the signs are there, and that's what we're supposed to look at. And I believe that's where Joseph was at. Joseph knew the scriptures. He knew there was a Messiah supposed to be coming, a promised Messiah. There had been prophecies made about it for years and years and years. So I think Joseph knew the scriptures. He's in a healthy place. God says, so he knew the Messiah was coming. And with that, the Messiah had to come through the right lineage. And so he's the right, he's in the right family tree. But I doubt if he had a clue that it would be him. I doubt if he had a clue that it was going to be, God's going to say, you're going to be the stepfather of my son. Well, he's here on this earth. So I believe that Joseph was in a good, healthy relationship with God, and God was able to use him because of that. And so he knew the scriptures. So I believe it's safe to say that he knew the scriptures, he knew what was going to come, he knew what was coming, he knew what was going to happen. But I don't believe he ever dreamed he'd be a part of that. I'm sure Joseph wrestled around with this question. How can I raise God's son? How can I be a father to God's son? You see, and you see it, there's not a lot of scripture around Joseph, but you can see some good things about Joseph. And I think the, what I'm looking at today is he was in a good place in his relationship with God so that God could speak to him, so God could use him. You think about it, when he was a father, God spoke to him again and said, pack up and get out of here. The child's life's in danger. When Herod was killing the children, he wanted to eliminate any possibility of a king that would take over his, his throne. And so Herod killed a bunch of children there in a time period three-year age span, I believe it was, something like that. And God spoke to Joseph and said, get up and get out of here. Gave him a dream in the night, and that very night, Jesus, or Joseph obeyed. Packed up Mary and, Joseph, or Mary and Jesus and headed to Egypt. That's what God told him to do. So God was able to use him because God could speak to him. Those of you that uh, work with horses, you take a, a young horse, put him in a round corral, and one of the things you try to do in that round corral is basically get that horse convinced the safest place in the corral is right here with you. And what you do, you start running that horse around the corral, start moving him. That's how horses, the dominant order of horses, the dominant horse moves the lesser horses underneath them. 
And so that's what you start doing in this cold. And if you see it happen all the time, and they'll start out, and that colt's focus will be outside the corral. Be trotting around the corral looking over the fence. His buddies is out there. His world is out there. And now he's brought into God's world. And that's the illustration. Now he's brought into this man's world and this man. And his focus is still out there. His buddies are over there eating hay, you know. That's where he used to be. And that's the way it is when God first starts working with us. He has to teach us where the best place to be is. And as that horse is working, pretty soon you'll notice his ear. He'll start, to, he'll start giving that trainer one ear. And eventually the goal is to get that horse to you release the pressure and the horse comes. Faces up. First thing you get, two eyes. That's the first thing you want, two eyes. Get both eyes. You got his attention. You got his focus. God had both of Joseph's eyes. Because God could talk to Joseph and Joseph responded. You see, you take a horse. I don't, I don't care what horse it is. If he's bred to be a cotton horse, he will never, ever reach his potential unless he comes under authority. It's the exact same way with us as people. We will never, ever reach our potential until we come under his authority. And that horse has to learn the best place in that corral is right there closer I am to him, the better off I am. And that's the same way it is with, that's what God wants us to come to the realization. Quit looking over the fence. Bring your focus to him. The closer we get to him, the better off we are. That's the safest place to be. And I, when I read about Joseph, I think, God had both his eyes. God had his full attention. And because of that, God could trust him. God could use him to be the provider and protector of Jesus when he was a baby. And that's what Joseph did. We don't have a lot of stories about Joseph. But I think he was a good man. I think we can... God was able to use him in a powerful way. Speaking of being hearing God's voice, you know, God spoke to Moses. What did Moses do? Argued with him. He argued with God till he made God mad. I'm more like Moses than I am Joseph, I'll be honest with you. God tells me to do something and I tend to procrastinate and beat around the bush. But there in verse 24... Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. God said it, he did it. You look at the Bible characters, some of them was that way. Abraham was slow at first, but when it got to the end of his life, and God said, take Isaac and sacrifice him, he did it immediately. He responded immediately. And that's what God wants us to do is to be we will never reach our potential till we are willing to submit ourselves and come under God's authority and do what God says when he says it
So my the question that need to ask myself an answer. Am I so caught up in myself and the things of this world, my responsibilities in this world, that it's affecting my focus on Him? Can He talk to me? Or am I so caught up in things out here in the world that I can't hear His voice? He can't even talk to me. If I get too caught up in things out here, if I don't focus on some quiet time, He can't even talk to me much less me hear him. And a lot of times God just lets us go on and start reaping the results of an on, of a sinful life until we realize we've got to turn back to him. So I need to be asking back to myself this question, does God have both my eyes? Does God have my focus or not? When he asks me to do something, will I argue or will I obey? Now let's look at Mary, Luke. Chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse 26 through 20 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greetings this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am not I have not, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is how now the sixth month of her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her, as we know. Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist, who was a forerunner to go before and prepare the way for Jesus when he, when he went into his ministry. God chose Mary, and he sent her a message. She's a teenager, so she's troubled. She's fearful when an angel appears. That Usually the first thing an angel has to say is, fear not. You know, don't be spooked when we come into angelic beings. And then he says, the angel said to her, Gabriel said to her, she had found favor with God. Here again, I think we're back looking at somebody that's in a right, healthy relationship with God. She found favor with 
God. Have I found favor with God? That's, that's a question. That, is there things in my life that's in the way? See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon an individual, but not that individual would not possess the Holy Spirit as the church does. In the church age, when a person believes, the Holy Spirit enters that person and becomes a permanent resident within that person. It wasn't that way in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament times, when God called somebody to do something, then the Holy Spirit would come upon them and empower them, influence them in such a way that they could carry out their assignment. Saul, King Saul, is a typical example of that because when he became king, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Then Saul started living in the flesh. He started living in disobedience, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit left him. He didn't even know it when the Holy Spirit left him. He was not aware. So that's what happens. When we go back to that old man that we looked at last week, get to walking and living in the flesh, the Holy Spirit has no influence on our lives. Now, we don't lose the Holy Spirit if we're, because of the church age. We don't lose the Holy Spirit, but the Bible clearly teaches that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can quench the Holy Spirit. So if you picture the Holy Spirit as a fire, and you start trying to put that fire out, you can kind of quench it. You can't kill the Holy Spirit, obviously, but you can quench its effect upon our lives. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit. can't think of his name. He was a counselor of the finances. He was on the radio for years. But anyway, he, when somebody lost a spouse, he would tell that person, do not make any major financial decisions for at least a year. And the reason he gave them that counsel is because they were in grief. When we're grieved, we don't function normally as we would normally. And he did not want those people to be making financial decisions, major financial decisions, when they was in a state of grief. Sin in my life does the same thing to the Holy Spirit. It affects the way the Holy Spirit can work in my life. So it's crucial that I deal with sin in my life immediately. And so Mary found good favor, and I saw she's in a healthy place with God. And so God's going to reveal to her his plan. Here again, Mary's just a common, ordinary, teenage Jewish girl. She's of the right lineage. There was others that was of the right lineage, and there was probably others that maybe had more finances, or maybe a position that would be, have more influence. God chose Joseph and Mary. Neither one of them prominent, influential people. Just ordinary people. But God could use them because they was right with him. They were healthy. In a healthy relationship. 
with God. And so, and then Mary asks a question. She says, how, how can this be? I've a lot of times thought because when you look at others that ask that question, you know, ask question God. We're going to look at a verse here in just a little bit. Now, how can that be? If you, marry, if you remember when Sarah, when the angels came, and I believe the pre-incarnate Christ was there too, to Abraham's tent, Sarah was in the tent, and they announced that Sarah was going to have a child. Sarah laughed because she was an old woman. And she was rebuked for her laughter. Look at verse 20, chapter 1 and verse 20 here in Luke. This is talking about Zacharias. When he's told that, that when he's told by the angel, I'm just going to read verse 19. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these tide, glad tidings. What was those glad tidings? That old woman that you're married to that hasn't been able to have a child for years and she's past childbearing age is going to have a child. That was what the angel told him. Look what he says. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which were fulfilled in your own time. That word belief, God puts a lot of emphasis on it. The Bible does over and over and over and over. You see what? The angel came, brought a message to Zacharias, and he said, uh, he didn't believe. If God says it, he says that you believe it. Zacharias didn't. So he's disciplined with, you can't talk till the child is born. And so for, he's silenced because of his unbelief. Now here in Mary, she, she's asking this question, but I, I kind of wonder if it's not so much, I don't know that it's so much a question of on, out of unbelief as it is just, how can this be? How can this happen? And so he explains to her, it's going to be the Holy Spirit. You're going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit of God and not by a man. And so he explains to her what it is. When you look... That unbelief and belief are important for us to understand. Believe, that's to trust, put your faith in. Got, you guys all come in here and sit down in these chairs, and so far your faith has been rewarded. You haven't collapsed, you know. And, and that's kind of what it's about, is putting your trust in something. And God says, I want you to put your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ for your salvation. And in nothing else. You don't add nothing to it. You, don't, you, you just put your faith and trust there. When we don't believe, we basically call God a liar. You think about that. So God says, if you'll put your faith in my son Jesus Christ, I'll save you. Do you understand something? A lot of people are going to spend eternity in hell because of their sin. No, 
Their sin was paid for at the cross. They're going to go spend eternity in hell because of unbelief. That's why they're going to spend eternity in hell. Their sins have been paid for. That's the sad thing about the whole thing. He died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. But unless a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those, it does them no good. It can't be put to their account until they trust him, until they believe. And that's why the Bible puts so much emphasis on belief. Believe on him. Believe on what he did. Believe what he says. Obey it because you believe it. I think Joseph and Mary believed the scriptures, they understood the scriptures, but they probably thought, it won't be us. It won't be us. I can use myself as a bit of an example. When I was younger, I I didn't have much desire. I was raised in a church, but I didn't have much desire for God or the things of God. I was just out there doing my own thing. When I started reaping some of the results of sin, I started refocusing my life a little bit. In my 30s, I got God gave me a, a hunger to know Him and to know His Word. Started getting my attention, and so I focused on Him a little bit more. In my 40s, I, I got more interested in it. I never in my wildest dreams, Frank Scott, you'll be a pastor someday. I never, I never dreamed in my wildest dreams. Yeah, I had a desire to know God's Word, and I had a desire to be used by God. But I never thought a moment in my life that, Frank, when you turn 50, God's going to put you behind a pulpit. And God's going to use you there. I never dreamed it. You don't have a clue what God wants to do in your life. Your only responsibility is to be available. Give him both eyes. Give him your full attention. He wants to impact your life. And then he will use you in a way you never, ever dreamed he would. I never dreamed I'd be standing here. I really didn't. Rich and I was just talking about this in the office, you know. He says, a lot of times we get to think, oh, I've got I to put together another lesson. That's true. But Rich hit the nail on the head when he says it's a privilege. I get to give another lesson. I get to preach another sermon. Yeah. You've got to do some work to put one together. It's a responsibility and one you need to take serious because God clearly teaches that if you, if you teach the Word of God, you incur a stricter judgment. So it is a responsibility that needs to be taken serious. But what a privilege it is to be able to say, God loves you, 
God's got a plan for your life. And he wants you to experience it. Get off the fence and come to the center of the corral. It's the best place to live your life. Father God in heaven, we just thank you for, for being a, a loving and gracious and merciful God that uh, seen us in our lost and hopeless condition of trapped in bondage to sin, the lusts of the flesh and the desires of this world, and you sent your Son. What a Christmas story, what a privilege it is that you sent your Son into this world. Not only to save us from eternal damnation, but to save us from a lot of the situations, circumstances that we find ourselves in. And you've got a plan. And it's better than anything we can plan. Father, I just pray you'd help us to, no matter where we're at, Father, whether we're have never made a decision to trust you or whether we're We're in the corral, but we're trotting around looking over the fence, and we need to bring our focus back on you so that we can experience your will, your love, your mercy, your grace. We can experience your best. That's why Jesus came. Thank you for Jesus. Help us, Father, to just trust and believe. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.